1: south coast tonight i'm marcus farrow chris will be back later in the week 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening we'll also take your messages on the wbsm app chat now um you heard uh, brian walsh's uh brian walsh he's mentioned in the uh the news segment later in the week we're going to have anthony amore who you might remember as a candidate for state auditor he was uh, on the show a few times uh, including a call in on election eve, Chris and I had him in studio for a, a long form interview. I believe it was after the feast, and we had a really good chat. Uh, Anthony was a Republican nominee for for uh, for state auditor, and he, in his you know in his job, is a um, art theft investigator. Uh, world-renowned art theft investigator. He's the head of security at the Isabella Stewart Gardner, which is, you know, the place where, in the I believe the early '90s, the largest theft in the history of the world took place. Really, really cool museum up in Boston. i went there in college. I'm hoping to go back actually again soon. Um, a really cool art art museum in Boston that has a really neat history. Uh, other than the the art theft, of course. But he wrote an interesting piece in the Boston Globe. About, um, uh, you know, Brian Walsh, who, uh, aside from being a suspected murderer, uh, was also uh, engaged in art fraud. And so Anthony sort of did a profile on someone who participates in art fraud and the uh, the quality of those paintings. He talked about another historic uh, art fraudster. And so, you know, about like, you know, it was about like what makes, a you know, where, where you can tell there's a forgery and where you, you couldn't and all of that. So we're going to have Anthony on Saturday. I mean, Saturday. I'm, I'm off on Saturday. You can listen to Jess Machado on Saturday. She's actually at uh, the Somerset. uh state GOP committee meeting, uh, I guess, Jim Lyons, the chair of the GOP, and you know, Howie Carr has been covering this on the Howie Carr show, uh, the, the lead up to this program, but the, the, um, she's covering Jim Lyons's uh sort of tour across the Republican town committees in the state to try to get himself, uh, elected chair again as the mass GOP. And A lot of people, including Howie Carr, of course, including Jess Machado, um, including Chris McCarthy, uh, feel as though he should not be this chair of the state GOP anymore. uh, Due to the significant losses that they've incurred over the last four years that he's been chair, um, losing, you know, three countywide seats, uh, two sheriff's offices, a DA's office. Um, including here Bristol County which I have actually have a Democrat Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow. he's going to be joining me at nine o'clock he's gonna give us an update on what's been going on there in the nascent days of his administration he had his old boss uh, Leon King who's the superintendent of who' was the former superintendent of Philadelphia jails of course Harrow is an administrator at the Philadelphia jails uh, he had him there to um Um, sorry, just getting text messages. So, um, the he's going to be on talking at nine o'clock. Uh, at eight o'clock, we're going to have Will Senott of the New Bedford Light. He's going to be joining us to talk about, um, to discuss the the um. Stories he's written on offshore wind recently, you heard during our news segment during the day that uh, activist Buddy Andrade had secured a $50,000 grant for the Massachusetts uh, Clean Energy Center to try to help New Bedford workers enter, really uh, meaningfully enter the field of offshore wind. Uh, Will wrote a good story on that. He's written some, he's been covering the offshore wind industry uh, lately, and we're going to have him on uh, at eight o'clock to discuss more of that. We're also uh, taking your calls at 508 996 500 We're also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat if you want to chime in the conversation. But yeah, Jess is actually at the uh, Republican Town Committee meeting in Somerset where Jim Lyons is, you know, basically doing a tour of, she calls it the slippers tour of doom, but He's trying to you know win his chair uh he's trying to win his chairmanship back. He has the Republican nominee Jeff deal there. Jeff deal had a, a really kind of a furious rant uh, about one of his fellow Republicans, one of his former colleagues in the State House, Sean Dooley you know essentially they're looking for I mean what they're looking for right now is they're looking for new leadership uh Chris. I know Chris McCarthy's talked about it quite a bit. Um, Je- Jess Machado has been really <clears throat> one of the leading voices in the state on covering on uh, covering the internal power struggle in the mass GOP. You know, I think it's pretty clear the need for, I mean, any time that you have, I think any other, you know, <clears throat> the thing is, I think in, Maybe it's an economic decision, but because <clears throat> that job pays you know, it's a six figure salary, but I think anybody who's presided over the historic losses that or most people that have presided over the historic losses that Jim Lyons has presided over would probably step down on their own because it has been a bloodbath. His, he, you know, his handpicked nominee that basically ran Charlie Baker out, lost by thirty uh, in the governor's in the governor's race after four years after a Republican incumbent had won by thirty, right, and had one and was the most popular governor in the country. So, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that there's a need for new leadership. I still hold the position that Jim Lyons is not a cause but a symptom of some of the issues that the GOP is having not just in the state but nationally in terms of their affiliation with Donald Trump who's probably less popular than he ever was not that he was ever popular as a president or as a candidate and uh a lot of the more like culture war CRT you know transgender stuff that they keep harping on uh I don't think it's effective so They can pick a new chair. Uh, A lot of people looking at Amy Carnevale, who I believe is a state committee woman. They could pick a new chair. But if it's a new chair with the same policies, then it's going to be Jim Lyons all over again. It's not that just, you know, it's not that Jim Lyons is personality or his, I don't know, incompetence. Plays a factor for sure, but really, it's the policies. They got a guy like Jeff Deal because Jeff Deal said the things that Jim Lyons and the voting block of the you know the the, the people who are registered Republicans in the state wanted to say. the The problem is the people that are registered Republicans in the state only make up thirteen percent of the electorate. So when you're having thirteen percent of the electorate. <laughs> try to present what's supposed to be like one half of the major parties uh, in the state, you, you know, it's never going to be representative of what most of the people want. And so again, if they're going to present somebody who's kind of like a Jeff deal anyway, if that's the type of policies that they're going to pursue, then it's going to be much of the same. But be that as it may, there's definitely still a, a need for a change uh, in leadership there because the Republicans, as an elected party in Massachusetts, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that they've never been weaker. Even when Deval Patrick had the governorship and the Democrats still had their supermajority in the statehouse, they still had at least a few county. Wide seats, and they had more seats. They had seven seats or eight seats in the Senate, which gets close to blocking a veto proof majority, right? You can, if you got seven or eight seats, you can corral maybe a few more um, center leaning or right leaning Democrats to vote your way, and still at least had 30 some odd seats in the state house and now have 29. So definitely diet you know the, the state Republican party is definitely in, in in dire straits so looking forward to seeing how Jess what Jess uh, reports on that meeting but 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening one of the things I wanted to talk about and I think it'll lead into our conversation with will Senat pretty well is the governor's governor Moore uh general policy, on energy and climate uh, as both as attorney general and now as governor she's made energy one of her leading causes and in fact on her very first day as many people know implemented a new cabinet level climate chief uh, Melissa Hoffer who was uh, general counsel at the Environmental Protection Agency which the federal government as a lot of you know the EPA and she was actually at UMass Dartmouth, as we've talked about before, for Climate Roundtable. Mayor Mitchell was uh, participated in that Climate Roundtable, round as well as Senator Montigny, Rep. Markey, Rep. Schmid were all there uh, as well. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. I know some people had called in yesterday. They had, They were sort of wondering how that's going to impact their utility bills. I can't. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you how exactly it's going to impact your utility bills. I know utility bills are high. I I know it. and But what I can do is give some broad strokes on how she wants to move towards a greener energy policy and save people on utility costs. I think she's got actually a, a pretty good record on that as AG. Um, and so I know a lot of people have who don't like Maura Healy because she's a Democrat or whatever have said she's a kooky socialist radical or something like that or she's a wild left progressive. I don't really see that. Uh, especially the way she's campaigned. I think she's campaigned largely from the center. She gave Charlie, she she said Charlie Baker was a pretty good governor. Um, she she said that, she said Charlie Baker was a pretty good governor. She said that, um, you know, she's interested in implementing tax relief. Tax cuts is something that she's talked about uh, frequently and says she wants to introduce, in her budget, um, you know, uh, broad tax cuts for the middle class. So I don't think she's as leftist or as progressive as a lot of her opponents might want to scare you into believing she is. Obviously, she's definitely to the left of Charlie Baker, but I still think she's going to govern more in the centrist type. I think she's going to govern in a, a much more centrist way than a lot of people might have been expecting her to. And I think if you've been following her and following her as a G and following her campaign and listening to some of the things she said, you know, one of the criticisms she had during her campaign is that she was a lot of it was a lot of broad strokes, but not a lot of meat on the bone in terms of policy. She's starting to give more details on what she wants to do in terms of their in, in terms of their in terms of her energy uh, energy priorities and uh, she wants to make clean energy a major priority. I think she's mapped that out pretty clearly on how she's um, conducted her business in the very first week. I think're coming up on it'll be tomorrow or Thursday will be her first week as governor but 508996. 0500 is how you can join me this evening. We're also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat, but let's go to the phones. Good evening, you're live. Yeah,
2: good evening, Marcus. How's it going? How you doing? Good. Not doing all right. You good. know what? Uh, a big meeting all this week in uh, Davos, Switzerland, and all these big wigs, uh, You know, Honeywell, the bankers, CEOs of these Fortune 500 uh, companies and all these mm-hmm. world leaders, and they're all talking about uh, putting their money in India because they can get, uh, they're going to have India's uh, 3% GDP. Uh, okay. They're saying that China's economy slowing down. Okay. And uh, they talk about inflation in the U.S. So all these uh, big companies, uh, they're putting their money in their their chips, the gambling chips on India. So this whole thing with energy, you know, uh, we're talking about, Offshore wind and uh, solar farms and China's going to be building uh, 20 uh, power plants, coal burning power plants Mm -hmm. a month while we're uh, becoming uh, more energy inefficient. And uh, and, uh, the other thing is China is peddling natural gas uh, to third world nations. So
1: the... They, uh, I mean, I think I think China's actually, yeah, you're right. I think they're building. It's something like half of the world's new, uh, <laughs> half of the world's new coal power plants. Uh, actually, I, I mean, I agree. It, raining in China has to be part of a global conversation on energy policy, but that, I don't think that means that we here in Massachusetts or we here in the United States have to rely on have to start building coal coal uh, coal power the, plants the, as well.
2: You know what's the cleanest? Uh you know, which is the country that's the, the best for the environment and has the less emissions? It's the United States. You know who's the leading polluters in the world? China. China yeah. and India. Right. And this whole Paris Accord, when Joe Biden went there in, last year, and the Chinese are just laughing, and, and India is laughing at the United States. Here we are, and guess what? You know who's going to benefit the most from this climate change agenda? China. Because all their batteries, the lithium batteries, Mm -hmm. they're going to be selling to the U.S. It's a win-win for uh, China.
1: Again, it doesn't doesn't mean that just because China's engaging in energy and efficient policies or building coal plants at like half the, you know, half the world's coal plants going forward. That's definitely a problem. And how the world economy wants to decide to rein that in is, 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 you know, I guess up to them, the, what's happening in Davos. Uh, I would say, you know, the, not the well, most
2: it su- has an impact. It has an impact on what, what's going to happen during the year because the movers and shakers, the big wigs, yeah, yeah, every January of every year they go there to talk about. I mean, I think uh, their primary political, uh, right? Their business
1: issues. Yeah, I think their primary. I think their primary, their primary, the primary goal in Davos really is to is for you know some of the world's wealthiest people to get together and decide how best to keep as much of their money as possible.
2: Right. Well, and not only that, uh, big uh, U.S. companies, uh, multinational corporations, go in yeah. strategy and what their business uh, plans are, and the models, and what they. Uh, one of the main drivers is your topic today, climate change. Yeah. And then, and the uh, the, the CEO of Honeywell was on uh, Bloomberg TV, uh, no, on CNBC, and he said they all took a pledge, to uh, to reduce carbon to zero. That's yeah. impossible. Yeah, I I mean it's
1: it's something that's I don't know if it's impossible. It's a 20 30 it's like a 20 to or zero, 30 year goal.
2: To none at all. I mean, you'd have to go back to the horse and buggy days.
1: Right. It's it's well, no, you you know, you could have you don't have to go back to horse and buggy. It's just a matter of having its net emissions are zero. So it'd be having like, there'd be some carbon output, like there are some coal, you know, coal fire plants and all of that. And then what the, you know, you'd have carbon offsets like solar and offshore wind that would hopefully reduce that to, Make a net of zero, so it wouldn't mean there wouldn't be any carbon em- emissions produced total. It just mean that there are offsetting um you know they have other uh, carbon offsets to make that net of zero i don't I don't think that i don't think they're saying oh we, we got to go back to horse and buggy so we don't put no. any more pollutants in the air it's It's how you know how can we mitigate the the circumstances that we're in
2: well well, you know something Marcus if you can't use uh, a natural gas stove. And you can't drive around in your car. Uh, they're gonna. If you have a, a major uh, uh, winter storm and you lose your power, you're gonna have no heat. You can't cook. You can't charge your car. You I can't mean, natural out.
1: gas is a finite resource, though, right? So you can't rely on it forever. Well, it's you the have to look forward. An
2: efficient form of energy.
1: Right. Again, it's not. It's not a. It's not finite. And in fact, they're coming out. Uh, one of the things I was going to talk about is on our way out as AG, Maura Healy had actually set, um, had a settlement with the federal government for, I think it's something like uh, half a billion dollars or so. Uh, I'd have it right here. But basically it's to, um, you know, to work to produce more appliances that are energy efficient that would save on your utility bills. Because if your appliance your, your appliances are energy efficient, it's going to save you more money in your pocket.
2: Well, that could be the case, but if you don't have enough power to run your appliances and your yeah. automobile, I mean, I mean, at this juncture, I mean, it, 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 what I'm saying, Marcus, to get the, the, to the to the point is, uh, it's 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 great. It sounds great, but uh, in reality, it's not going to work.
1: So, I mean, the other, so the 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 op- what you're saying is, we should just basically do nothing.
2: No, what I'm saying is, if we can continue to implement these policies, we're gonna go back to riding a horse and uh, using firewood, and then go back to the Franklin stove because I, you, I think that's gonna happen in Again, there's years. there's car I can ca- see you, Marcus. I can see you riding a horse to work.
1: I mean, it's a short ride for me to work, but yeah. I, <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. But um, but the thing is, the the thing is is that um, I mean, there's the main the major car manufacturers in America. Right, like GMC and all of that, they're all recognizing this General issue too, Motors, and they're yeah, Ford Motor right. Company. Yeah, right. They're all moving towards uh, electric vehicles. They're they're actually moving off of gas-powered vehicles in the next 20, 30 years.
2: Right, but the the, the problem is is uh, these lithium batteries. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be supplied by China. I understand. So if China has a, a, a supply chain problem and yeah. manufacturing. Guess what? You're not going to have batteries to run your cars. You know what I mean? And your trucks. Can you imagine uh, one of these big? Uh, constructed- I mean, I mean, here's the thing: none of our stuff
1: is made here, right? Like everything we have is globalization has is basically made it so very few things are actually manufactured here in the first place. So, well, so I would say so- at
2: least the, uh, the stamps are made here. US poacher stamp. Yeah, but, a the postal that.
1: stamps are made here. But nothing's made here. So that's always going to be a looming issue until we, we find a way to bring manufacturing back here to the United States. That's what every presidential candidate and every candidate for federal office always talks about bringing yeah. jobs back home so that we can be less reliant on supply chain issues and more reliant on homegrown manufacturing, manufactured products. Um, so globalization right, has made that basically a product. But Marcus,
2: you know what's what's important is you have to have lower the tax rate, right? You have to have a cheap energy source. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we care about the uh, environment, but if you don't have a cheap, efficient energy source, uh, cut no cut but down the, on but the regulations energy sources now and that are... taxes. Well, you're not going to businesses not going to come back here. But
1: the energy sources that are ch- the the energy sources that are cheap and efficient now are finite, right? So we're going to eventually run out of those anyway.
2: Who? We we have an they they say says we have who? enough energy natural gas. Says the gas, people that are using the them to make their products. is scientists say we have three three to five hundred years. We got more natural gas and, and oil than uh, any other nation, including Saudi Arabia.
1: I think if that were, I think, again, I think if that were true, I think first of all, I think if that were true, you wouldn't have major car companies and major uh, most of the major companies here, like the people that are meeting in Davos saying, we need to move towards more energy efficient uh, policies and production, uh, production standards.
2: Well, they're, they're, they're doing that because they want to make more money they want to build a uh, a uh, uh, power station the way to do uh, uh, electrical stations uh batteries and all that's a money maker cuz a lot of your cars have plastics and your rubber tires guess what they all require petroleum mm-hmm. oil in the production so w- w- what are you going to have all steel cars and well, and even the c- casings of the battery have plastic right
1: but just because what just because it, it 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 you use um oil and natural gas or whatever to produce certain products doesn't mean those products aren't more efficient and more energy efficient uh, during the life of their use, right? It, like it, it's like for a car, it's more, you you know, it's more carbon emissions to make an electric car, but through the life of that car, it produces about half of the carbon emissions that a gas, uh, that a gas powered car would. Well,
2: so, the other so, thing is the, the, the again, batteries this, with the disposal of a very toxic and very mm-hmm. hazardous uh, for the environment, these these uh, lithium batteries yeah. and all the chemicals. That's the other thing. That's a good point. What I'm saying is I know you, 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 your heart's in the right place. I'm just telling you you're not going to completely get off of fossil fuels and natural gas. I think you have to have uh, diversified portfolio you know let the consumer pick yeah i don't you think know what I'm saying?
1: yeah i don't think anybody well i don't think anybody has any delusions about saying we're going to get completely off of fossil fuels right at, at any time it probably within our lifetimes but to well, be they, less reliant on it is is, well, is definitely well, a good Marcus,
2: thing. they want us to do it by 2030 well they want net
1: zero emissions by 2030.
2: yeah but they want you to buy well maury healy signed up they want you to get a natural uh, an electric powered car by 2030 mm-hmm. you got to get rid of your uh, your other car. Your gas powered car. They're not going to make you
1: get rid of your gas powered car.
2: Well, I don't know. I'm not too sure about that. You got to read the fine print.
1: Yeah, uh, again, if they're if they want us to move towards again, if they want us to move towards electrified vehicles and they're able to provide some assistance to make that cheaper, uh, then yeah, all for it. Listen, I you know I've had my car for about seven or so years. I'm looking to buy a new car. I'm looking at electric cars, right? So, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely uh, looking well, at electric uh, cars. Well,
2: what about if you get you know um, a, a blizzard? You can't charge your car, and when it's uh, below oh, I get zero, a home, it, I get a, home, a drain, uh, home, charging port. drain, but I'm saying it puts a drain on your battery. Uh, then what? What are you gonna do? Push your car home?
1: Well, oh, I'd get a home charging port. So I mean, yeah, just charge my car. I mean, home. it's it's just a matter of it just it's, it's, is, just, a of your, it's just a matter of charging your it's just a matter of charging your car. What?
2: Let's say you're 20 miles away from home, mm-hmm. and there's no there's no uh, charging station in in sight. And, 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 site, and yeah, I mean, I think we can, the can street imagine street the worst case scenario. Station. Yeah, right.
1: I mean, uh, you got to plan it. You 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 got to charge your bat. You got to have your battery charged. And you got to plan ahead, right? And the the charging stations are becoming a lot more ubiquitous than they were even a few years ago. So I mean, well,
2: do you want to wait five hours? It's like running out well, of gas. You, don't you don't could run out of which? you
1: could run out of gas in an area where there's no gas stations too. That's entirely possible.
2: Well, what I'm saying is, it, it takes you. Yeah, when you go to a gas station, you put in a, you pump uh, the the gas in your car. It yeah. takes you what 10, uh, five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. An electric power car uh, will take you five hours. Right it, again. Want to be uh, in, a, in a you know one of the uh, company... Necessarily uh, eating a sandwich and a pizza for five hours. <laughs>
1: Again, I think you're imagining the worst case scenario. What if, in a uh, middle I'm of a snowstorm, the, you're I'm out, you're out the in the middle of the Marcus. road? There's no That's charging. All. There's no charging stations. You didn't charge your your car ahead of time, and it's snowing. You're 20 miles away from your your, your nearest charging port. Yeah, I guess if all of that happened, I'd be yeah, the, the situation the bl- would be no, very not bleak. Not just
2: snowing, a blizzard, blizzard conditions, whiteout conditions. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just being realistic. It sounds like your plan sounds like you know a comic book, uh, you know, uh, idea. <laughs> yeah. It was nice talking to you, Mark.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you. You as well.
2: All right, I got to take a
1: break. Listen to us live. Any. Shut up and Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow again. We're going to be joined by Will Sunott at eight o'clock to um, discuss some of his reporting on offshore wind. You might have heard a story in the news segment about. Um, Uh, Buddy Andrade uh, and his organization getting uh, $50,000 to help local residents break into the offshore wind industry uh, in a meaningful way. And, uh, you know, he's been doing uh, some other good reporting on the offshore wind as well. So we're going to we're going to talk with him at eight, nine o'clock. Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow is going to join us uh, to talk about a visit from his old boss, Leon King, who was the superintendent of Philadelphia prisons in uh, when hero was an administrator there uh at the uh at the philadelphia county jails and we're going to talk with him about the um we're going to talk with him about the uh uh the visit and you know where uh you know what's what's been going on there we want to it's a new administration i know a a lot of people are interested in following what he has you know what he's been doing and uh we're here giving you uh, regular updates on that. And Heroes uh, Sheriff is always happy to, to come on here with us and, 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 um, and, and give us that update. And Sheriff Hodgson was a very immediate, uh, was a very media available, um, elected official. And just from my interactions with, uh, Sheriff Haroze during his campaign and now as Sheriff, uh, he seems to be just as media available. Uh, and I really appreciate that. It makes our job a lot easier. So um, just uh, we're taking your calls at 508-996-0500, just talking in broad strokes about some of the, you know, the energy policies of of Governor Moore Healy and just in general moving towards, uh, you know, greener energy admissions. Uh, Marcus Uno from New Bedford had no relation, had uh, sent a... Uh, App chat message, and you can message us on the WBSM app chat if you have the app. Uh, In 2021, Australia produced by far the most lithium batteries, uh, 55,000 tons, followed by Chile, 26,000 tons, followed by China, 14,000 tons. And I think, you know, where I think using sort of like absolutism in terms of changing the energy grid to make it more fuel, you know, to make it more energy efficient and cleaner, Uh, I think using absolutism is often a straw man. Like I don't think there's anybody right now that has any delusions that the the energy grid as it currently stands can be fully produced by solar or wind power, right? That natural gas and oil has to play a role in that. And that, as I said before, yes, it does cost, you know, it does um, produce a lot more carbon emissions to make an electric vehicle than it does to, than it does to make uh, a gas-powered car. But the life throughout the life of the electric vehicle, it produces, I think, at least half as much carbon emissions as a car does. So it's really, it's about, so to say, like, oh, well, you need electric, and electric's powered by oil and all that. Yeah, we know that, but it's still less dependent on that resource than where we were before. And that's a good thing. You know, it's kind of like this conversation about gas stoves that's been going on where it's like, oh, you, you never you're I'll die with my gas stove. I'll turn it on and, you know, give myself, you know, I'll turn it on and poison myself before I let the government take it. <laughs> the. You know, basically the. Consumer Product Safety Commission had had come out with saying Nothing's off the table in terms of gas stoves. And Republicans had used that as sort of a, 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 you know, their their new moral panic of the week. Government's not going to come in and rip your gas stove out of the wall. But what they're doing now and what they have done throughout the history of product development in the United States is come out with, uh, not just for gas stoves, but for all appliances, come out with new standards on how they can be more energy efficient, which, by the way... Obviously, puts money back in your pocket, right? It puts money back in your pocket if they come out with appliances like a gas stove or like an electric stove that's more energy efficient. Obviously, you know, one of the one of the things that Healy did on on the way on the way out and a lot of people had criticized her for all of her lawsuits. against. she's suing Trump all the time. She just sues Trump. That's all she does. But. Like 77% of those lawsuits, I think the Boston Globe had reported on this, like 77% 7% of those lawsuits were successful, um, including one that was like more than uh, half, a, half a billion dollars to um, help produce more energy efficient appliances. So it isn't the case that the government's going to come in and rip out your gas stove, but what the government's going to do is implement... New efficient energy efficiency standards on gas stoves or electric stoves or all of your appliances, your toasters, whatever your refrigerators to make them more energy efficient. So you pay less for the energy that they produce. I think this is inexorably a good thing, right? Um, And again, it's kind of like fuel efficiency standards in cars. It's been happening for a long time. It's been happening for a long time. You know, a car made today is exponentially more fuel and energy efficient than a car made in 1980. Can you still drive a car made in 1980? Yes. There may be some modifications that you might have to make, right, to get to make it, you know, street legal, but you can still drive that car. So it's not the case that if you get an electric car or if the government's going to say we're going to or even private industry, which they are doing is, is saying we're moving towards producing electric cars. It's not like you're going to have to stop driving your car, right? They're going to take your car. These jackbooted thugs are going to come up. They're going to tow your car out and they're going to take it to a scrap yard. And if you're in it, you're going to go in, you're, you're, you're going to go in the cube press, right? No, no, you can, st- you'll still be able to drive your car, but it, When you get a new car, if you get a new car, that car may be electric powered or that car may be a hybrid or that car may have better fuel efficiency standards. That's how product development has worked since the beginning of this country. Now, when they're talking about net zero emissions, when they're talking about um, getting a more energy efficient transportation system, they're. Their goals that they're aiming for are like 2030, 2040, 2050, because they understand one, it takes time to do this. Two, we're not in a position where electricity, you know, is can, you know, these energy efficient standards can be like wind and solar and all of that can be the sole producer of energy for everything. And three, they know that it's hard for people to make those changes. Right. It's hard for people to make those changes to buy, to purchase a new vehicle, to get a new gas stove, to get a new appliance. And, but when you're ready to do so, if you're ready to do so, what they have available is going to help you in the long run. Obviously, any conversation around energy efficiency and consumer, uh, cons, uh, you know, consumer products that are energy efficient is going to come with government assistance. If they don't help people, Right. And I th- I think in ARPA, there's actually there's actually a um, funding available for gas stoves in particular. And I bring up gas stoves because it's just something Republicans are freaking out about. But just in general, when we're talking about this stuff, there is investment from this from the government in, in this. I mean, Charlie Baker had put put forward a pretty comprehensive, a pretty comprehensive um Uh, Climate legislation that I think Healy's going to build on. I think they're going to, they're committing to producing to 1% of the budget being for climate, um, you know, basically for uh, green energy production. And for the record, you know, one of the things they're trying to do is build energy, you know, build new buildings in a way that's energy efficient and what Brookline tried to do is basically ban the ban the uh ban oil and natural gas from being involved in any sort of building standards whatsoever. And More Healy, when she was attorney general, had blocked that and said it's unconstitutional. So again, I don't think it's as radical as people might think it is. But five zero eight and we're gonna take a break.
0: Fourteen twenty WBSM is now also on ninety-nine point five FM. South Coast You don't have to stick by your radio to hear all of South Coast tonight. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or download their podcast. South Coast Tonight continues now.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. So you can join me this evening. We're also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. talking a little bit about just um, some of Governor Healy's uh, energy policy plans and some you know uh more broadly the u.s's energy policy plans uh you know electric cars um and things like that uh you know one of the things i did want to say about the electric car thing i'm like is that it's like anything else if you're gonna go somewhere you gas your car up right you don't i haven't run out of gas since i was 16. i learned my lesson once and then i never did again um I was on Hathaway Road. I was on my way to basketball practice at Stang. I don't know why, where I was coming from, but I ran out of gas. I was late for practice. I had, to call my, uh, I had to call my dad. And my dad said to me after, he goes, you know, when I was your age, I ran out of gas for the first time. I had to walk to the gas station, get it, buy a can, fill up the gas, and then put it in my car. He goes, next time, you're going to do that. Next time, I'm not going to come, just so you learn your lesson. <laughs> and uh, I never ran out of gas again, ever. Once when I was 16. So it's like anything else. It's like your your phone, right? You, your phone doesn't off. I mean, some people, their phone dies all the time. Some people never charge their phone. I'm not one of those people. It's all about planning. And some charging... It depends on... In terms of the taking five, six hours to charge your car, it also depends on where you're going. Uh, it also depends on the charging station you use, the battery, car battery you have, and all of that. Some, like if you're just trying to get home, might take 20, 30 minutes, right? But again... It's all about planning. I haven't run out of gas in, since I was 16. God, I've been driving for a long time now. I'm 33 now. Math, I haven't run out of gas in 17 years. I haven't run out of gas in my car. So if you plan better, you'll be okay. All right, I gotta take another break.
0: The WBSM app is everything.
1: Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow, 508-996-0500. how so you can join me this evening. Will Senott from the New Bedford Light is here in studio. We're going to speak in the 8 o'clock hour about some of the reporting he's been doing on offshore wind. If you want to call in, you can at 508-996-0500. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. So Will Senott's going to be here Um at 8, he's actually already here, and Sheriff Harrow's going to be here at 9 o'clock. Well, he's not going to, Sheriff Haro is calling in, but we'll call in at 9 and uh, give an update on what's happening over at the Bristol County House of Correction. So stay tuned. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris will be back later in the week, but... We're here till 10, 508-996-0500, and take your messages on the WBSM app chat. Thanks to those who called in and app chatted during the first hour. We're going to carry that momentum in through the 8 o'clock hour and the 9 o'clock hour. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see you then. So stay tuned for the news. We have the news coming up, both the national news from ABC
0: and the local.